This podcast is brought to you by our longtime Patreon supporters like Greg Bench, Trey Whetstone, Amy Swan, and Joel Robertson, and new patrons like Andred, Carl Davis, and Nick Stumpf. Stick around for an extended shout-out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt. I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and welcome to a discussion of Will Smith's 2005 comedy classic, Hitch. <laughs> Gosh, please tell me that's not what you watched. I've done seven pages of notes on Hitch. I'm so excited. This is an odd departure, I think, than our normal, but I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Oh, Lord. We are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. And typically, post-Halloween, we discuss family horror in the lead-up to Thanksgiving, but we had a specific request from horror fan Ryan to do The Hitcher from 1986. And to do this right, we are joined by our buddy from Retro Movie Geek and Jay of the Dead's new horror movies, who shows his children crawl during a hurricane. Um, Gilman Joel, welcome back. All right. To be fair, it was before the hurricane had officially hit us. And the power went out like three hours later. So it was totally fine. It prepared them. But I did want to say, first off, thank you so much, guys, for inviting me to this. This I can't wait to talk about this movie. But I think it's important that I do set the, the groundwork that uh, my mother told me never to do this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So The Hitcher from 1986. The IMDb synopsis reads, A young man who escapes the clutches of a murderous hitchhiker is subsequently stalked by the hitcher and framed for his crimes eh, for imdb that's not bad that's like yeah, that's maybe it. they actually watch the movie yeah that's like um, a, that's like a 95 percenter there that's a pretty yeah. good one yeah so joel when did you first see the hitcher uh whew, i was fairly young i want to say it was in my my misbegotten teenage youth so i I had to be, I'm going to, I'm just guessing here. Cause you were what, what, 10 when this came out? Yes, I would have been 10, but I didn't okay. see it then. Yep. <laughs> Thankfully, cause that would have been traumatizing. Yeah. Um, I want to say I was, I feel like I was in a mid to later teens the first time I saw it. I've seen it several times since then. So it's one of those where I, for whatever reason, don't have the, the strongest sense of memory of exactly where I was when I first saw this, but I have no doubt I saw this when I was, I, I'm going to guess like 14, 15, like somewhere in that window. But, uh, but yeah, th- so this would have been the early nineties would have been for me. Okay. So Jackson, what about you? This was the first time watch for me. Um, wow. and I watched it, I watched it on, I know Ryan was, was blown away when I said that. I mean, I don't know why it's not like this is, this is a big thing in the pop culture right now, but I love Riker Hauer. I'm surprised I hadn't gotten around to this, uh, sooner, but I watched it on Hulu um, and I don't know, Dad, if you watched it on Hulu as well. It was on Hulu? Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu, yeah. Are you kidding listen, me? I watched no, it on YouTube because I couldn't find it anywhere else. You, the YouTube version was probably better because the version on Hulu looks like a DVR rip, like it was it, on a VHS tape. Well, we'll talk about that because there has never been, Joel can back me up on this, there has never been a great production of this on dvd or blu-ray and that's the thing i used to have i know i had this on vhs for a time i don't know what happened to it i'm i was 99 percent sure i had some kind of dvd copy or something somewhere and that's why then i was like scrambling to find it and i finally went to peter i'm like uh peter do you have a way of maybe and he's like he goes look you're lucky it's on youtube i'm thinking oh crap it's gonna be one of those qual you know like low qual it actually wasn't horrible the one on youtube was shockingly not that bad 
Yeah, that, so that's that was probably better. I probably should have watched it on YouTube. Yeah, the one on the tra- I'm with you, Jackson. I watched it on Hulu. The transfer isn't great. My question is, okay, was this like an HBO? Was this a TV movie or was it a theatrical? No, film? it was theatrical. It, it it is from HBO, but it was theatrical. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, it makes sense if it's a TV movie that it would be, you know, kind of in low quality because they're probably going to be VHS, like, DVR rips. But, um, but yeah, that's so weird that this would, especially, like, this isn't like a, like a, you know, no-name B-movie, like. No. This is, this is like a real production. I don't know why this hasn't been. Maybe it's a, a rights thing. This became a controversy, actually, in mm. um, 99-2000 because George W. Bush, when he was running for president, he was on the board of a company that produced this, and they attacked him as, you're, you, you keep talking about family values, but you were, head of, you were on the board of a company that produced The Hitcher. Which Roger Ebert said is the most vi- one of the most violent movies ever made. Which, by the way, it is not. And by the and by the way, coming from the guy who uh, praised and don't get me wrong, I'm with him as far as it as a work of art. But praised Last House on the Left, really, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. And Dawn of the Dead. Oh my God, he loved the original Dawn of the Dead. He was, so, he was so wildly inconsistent in his in his insufferable self righteous yeah. blowhardness. It drives me crazy. Yeah, didn't he make Beyond the Valley of the Yeah, Dolls? he wrote it. He, he, wrote, he it. wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he has any room to, to he talk doesn't. about anything he doesn't. women's rights. He doesn't. <laughs> no, I agree. I saw this on HBO sometime in probably 87. And spoiler alert, as far as my opinion, recorded it on VHS and probably wore out the tape. I, I have seen this <laughs> many, many times. And... So the plot, you have C. Thomas Howell, best known for The Outsiders, Red Dawn, and Soul Man. And E.T. And um, e. Oh, and E.T., yep, he is Is he e. like e. the biker friend? Yes. Like, yes. Um, yep. yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'll get into that because C. Thomas Howell, back in the day, hung out in my house. Oh, man. Uh, was yep, it? Please, was, please, he, please, please tell me he was preparing for his soul man role. I realize it was probably way before you would have met him, but there's some part of me that just wants no, to believe. <laughs> no, he was actually going through a divorce with Ray Don Chong. This was like 1990, uh, 89, 90. Um, my brother wrote a song for a movie he was in called a direct to video movie. He was in called kid. And my brother, Brian was, um, He's not only did he write the song, he's in the movie. He's Brian is singing in the movie. He's on the jukebox. So that's how they got to know each other. Oh, okay. And so he would come over. He was going through a divorce and we were renting a duplex in downtown LA on La Cienega near Pico. And he would come over and he was fascinated um, by songwriting. And I don't know if he wanted to become a musician or wanted to learn. I, I don't know, but he would just... My brother would play songs and he would sit there and drink beer and we would talk. And so I got to know him that way. We just hung out a couple times, but um, some of the time he was there, I wasn't there, but a couple of times we were. And I told him how much I loved the Hitcher. And he looked at me and said, I think that's the best role I've ever done. I actually would agree with him. Yeah. And so he, he, and he, he talked more, this is before the internet. Now this has become widely known. He was terrified of Rutger Hauer. Yeah. Absolutely terrified Understandable. of him in person. 
Yes. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I invited your co-host Peter onto this because I wanted I just wanted in my sadistic way to give Peter crap about his love for Blade Runner when Rudger Hauer craps all over Blade Runner in every interview you watch on him. He goes, what's the movie about? Harrison Ford blanks a toaster. And <laughs> yeah, I, I always thought of Blade Runner as a beautiful bore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Rutger Hauer agreed with you. And that's why one of the reasons I wanted to have Peter on yeah. was to talk about yes, that. Yeah. But P- Peter kind of likes that movie. Oh, just a bit. Yeah. But so you've got C. Thomas Howell, you know, he's driving a Cadillac from Chicago to San Diego in a driveaway, which I still don't know what that is, really. Um, I don't know if it's you order a car or you're just driving someone's car. I'm pretty sure they had U-Hauls with, you know, with trailers on them. But anyway, he picks up Hitchhiker, played by Rudger Hauer. And hilarity ensues. Uh, Rudger Hauer is a serial killer. He goes by the name John Ryder. Tom plays J- Jim Halsey with a very 80s Nike shoe thing going on. Oh, yeah. And is framed for the killings. And he meets a sympathetic waitress named Nash, played by the great Jennifer Jason Lee. The plot, not that much to it. I mean, that's pretty much it. But uh, what do you think of the screenplay written by Eric Red? We will get to. But uh, what do you think, Joel? Um, I think that this movie is a dark, nihilistic. <laughs> yes. Amazing movie. It is there. There is a I feel like it's a movie that there's actually this strong, almost, I don't know if morality tale is quite the right way of putting it, but there, there's, there is something oddly about it that, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I, I had like a whole thing. I remember uh, Jason Grooves and I believe covered it on forgotten flicks. Like literally it's probably 10 years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember us discussing the aspects, especially of John Ryder's character and this concept of the supernatural with him. And yes. And so I, I feel like this is one of those movies where, you know, it reminds me tonally of near dark there. there yes. I, I haven't watched near dark at all. Which Eric red wrote that as well. Oh, and, right. And yeah. I think he did. And yeah. he also did body parts, which I'm a big fan of a uh, Cohen and Tate, which Peter and I covered yep. a lot of years bad ago. Moon. Yeah. Bad moon, the werewolf movie. And yep. so he, and the thing about him is, and if you it just, I'm not going to go into all of it, but if you just do some research about him on a, like a biographical level, th- there's, there's things going on there. And, um, uh, there, I'll just say the darkness in this and really ultimately all of his movies, I feel like is something that is uh, only he could express in the way he does. And I think that the, the script in this, even though it is very simple, that's what I love about it. I actually, I think if, and this is, I'm pulling this completely, this could be wrong. If you go back and listen to that episode of Forgotten Flicks, I may not have said this at all, but I feel like one of the discussions we had was the similarities on some level with the, the almost like John Ryder being like, um, uh, like a spiritual cousin of Michael Myers in that a, mm. there's a good chunks of the movie where he's not present, but his presence is always felt the way he sort of appears and in, in just these moments, right? And well, he pops up almost anywhere he wants to pop yes. up, it seems like. And there's this awareness that John Ryder has, right, of, of everything. But it's also, and I will argue to my dying day, that the more simple a story, the more powerful it can be as a horror film. Now, I'm not saying there are complex story horror movies. Of course there are. I don't 
does not no no hate mail. Okay, I know there's plenty of them, but when it's like when you strip a story down to it's like urban legend, and I'm not just talking about the movie. I'm talking about the actual concept, <laughs> urban legend core. I think is when you can get these movies that just get like think of Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, this movie. There's something about they get something so visceral and emotional, mm-hmm. and that's really at its core what great like horror that's meant to actually truly unsettle you and 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 give you yes. nightmares. I feel like that's the the stuff that does it the best. So I think the very fact that it is such a simple story and such a simple screenplay, relatively speaking, um, is actually one of its great strengths. The screenplay, because it's simple, works Yeah, the simplicity better. is what is great strength. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, we don't need to, you know, it works better that we don't know, like, John Ryder's backstory. Yes, I love that. I love that, that approach. Yes. We don't, We I don't think we need that. Jackson, what do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, when I first started watching the movie, I thought I knew where it was going. Uh, I was like, okay, it's just going to be John Ryder following him. It's like a duel type thing. It's like duel, but the semi truck is is Rutger Hauer, basically. Uh, but then it added in the layer of the Hitcher continually framing Jim, and I think that's where it becomes really great. And it honestly, eventually becomes sort of like a thin blue line type thing, where it's like kind of a commentary hmm. on the on the the judicial system here. That the the, the uh, oh, you're going police. way deeper than I've ever thought about this movie. Well, I I think that's there. <clears throat> I think that's honestly there. It's it's interesting. This kind of like man on the run type thing. I think that, um, and we'll talk about this more later. I think that the story goes in some places that I don't fully track with it. I think it goes in some places that I don't believe i guess would be the the best way to, to put it but i think overall it's a really strong narrative double dare you <laughs> i want to hear what those places are we'll talk about I, it i want to we'll see if i have it. a counter uh-huh. yeah we'll, we'll talk about it later but i'll just say that yeah it is a really i do get that feeling that joel was talking about where you feel writer's presence and he kind of knows where jim is and like what's going on and how to best to frame jim next you know what i mean even though he's not even present um, so yeah, it definitely is he feels trying like a Michael to Myers. frame him, or is that just what I is think happening? He, is. he puts I, the knife in and Jim's coat. Oh, uh, that's true. That is he, true. Yeah. I, I I'm going to argue it's not about that though. That's not why. And and because it's not these trying to just frame him. There, I have a whole theory because when you because John Ryder states his goal. Stop state, me! I want you to stop me. Yeah. And there's only one way he can do that. Ready for it? Ready? Minds blown. Everyone. He the only way he could do that is to turn Jim into what he is. A killer. I agree, and that's what he does. Spoiler alert! He, right? Yes, that's that what is he exactly does. Exactly what he does. I think the framing was a means to an end. Because if okay, if it was all about just getting him framed and oh, then I can go on and do my crimes. Then why does he free Jim? Why not just let him be arrested and that's it, done? No, no, no. That was what it was about. Is to push him further and further into the darkness. That's what he was doing. Yeah, I I agree, Jackson. He is, he is a demented, twisted he, guardian. Oh, man. Uh, wait, 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 but guardian angel. He's like Jim's guardian angel. If that idea was like an antichrist, right? Like it's flipped on its head. Well, yeah, he, he should. I mean, like when Jim is being chased by the cops, what does he do? Yeah. Yeah. Helps him out. He kills all the cops. It's, it is. Okay. So Jackson, here's where I think you were going. (laughs) It's ridiculous that he can take like a 357 and bring down a helicopter um and 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 perfectly land in front of the cop cars. I, I get well. That. That's not that's not that's not really what I'm talking. Oh, okay, about. I'm talking. Okay. I'm talking more about. Um. So do do we want to get into this now? I guess. I guess. Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, I hadn't thought about. I guess what what you're really saying here is that uh, the hitcher is uh, Jim as to as Michael is to Corey. 
That's basically what I'm hearing. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? Hold on. You know what? You groan. Uh, I had that thought while watching it. I'm not yeah. gonna. But uh, but the diff- the difference being the difference being it also the hitcher is not the third part of a trilogy that right. that is setting up an expectation with everybody through the marketing. Yeah. That was a bait and switch. That would be the key difference. I would have liked Halloween Ends better if if Michael Myers just would have killed Corey in those first twenty minutes. But anyway, I yeah. instead of waiting to the end when this wimp wrestles his mask from him which makes no sense i (laughs) this is coming out after that episode and we are we're i had it out with nathan and trey and and ryan and everyone else but anyway i and jackson you came down the middle on that but uh i'm probably where jackson is but i'm probably closer to you matt but i'm probably where i'm because like i didn't actually load the movie like some people i've got several friends no i didn't loathe it but it's it's not a halloween movie I i know And so I'll never watch it again. But anyway, Jackson, so what what did you find unbelievable? What parts are you talking about where you feel like that that doesn't make sense? First off, let me say before this becomes me, the entire the the entire thing is me uh, pointing out my problems with the Hitcher. I love the movie. I thought it was really fun. Uh, Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I, I, yeah, I thought it was really I, fun. I feel I so the, proud as a parent right now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought the 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 action was fantastic, and it and it was so scary. And you know, without getting ahead of myself, I felt, you know, this is Rutger Hauer's role. Like this is him. Oh. This is his. This is his big. I mean, I can't say that with certainty. I haven't seen Hobo with a Shotgun, so I can't say with one hundred percent certainty <laughs> that this is his his magnum opus. But um, have yeah. you ever seen Blind Fury? Oh, that movie's awesome. Terry O'Quinn rules. Blind Fury. What is that? Is that the? Is, he's a blind martial artist. Basically, he's got a katana sword. Directed, oh, yes. directed by my friend Philip Noyce. Yeah, and and uh, also co-starring uh, Terry O'Quinn. Also, also starring Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> yep, I, I know you had to throw that in, of even course. though yeah, what I was saying was yes, Philip Noyce, who directed that, was a friend of mine in Hollywood. Very good oh, friend. Cool. Yeah, he would go on to to direct Clear and Present Danger and Patriot. Yeah, I thought Games. I was going to ask you, didn't he do one of the yep. uh, Jack Ryan uh, he did, Ford ones? Yeah. He did Clear and pa- Present Danger and Patriot Games, Dead Calm. So, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, great director. He had a crush on my ex sister in law. That's how I got to know him. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, but Jackson, go ahead. I'm sorry. P- please go ahead. You like the action? You liked Rudger Hauer? You think yeah. this? I thought it was a, a great movie overall, and um, and just really well paced, and and I like that that it's simple and that he's uh, just kind of evil. Um, but you know, there there were a few things where I, can, I think it kind of loses me a little bit in the third act. I mean, what? J- Jennifer Jason Lee joins Jim like full on in his like escapades, where and he's, like, shooting at cops. <laughs> I feel like that's a little too soon for her character. Uh, her just like oh, just getting just, you, you know. underestimate the appeal that C. Thomas Howe had in the eighties, my uh, friend. On that, women. that mullet, that, <laughs> yes. that sort of mullet. But I will say this: I, I get where you're going with that, Jackson, and I would agree with you. Except I feel like the motivation they gave her was that she wasn't on board with helping him up until the moment she was witnessing those two cops about yes, to kill right. him and call you spit that. on my wrist and yes. that's when she lost yeah. it yeah i under i understand that and i understand why she i don't understand i understand why she would want to be like hey i'm watching you can't just shoot him you know what i mean but I don't understand why she would actually pick up the gun and shoot at them. You know what I mean? Like, I well, like in just, all fairness, she dropped the gun, and then and then she saw Rudger Howard show she up get, yeah, and shoot people, happen, yeah. and so she got the 
evidence she needed. Right. In that moment, yeah. But I mean, like, I feel like she just hops on a little too soon from him holding her up in the bus to her, like, just totally helping well, and him. I th- well, well, how about this? How about this uh, argument? Uh, yeah. You know, she was alone with him in a diner. He never yeah. showed any signs of aggression. Or no, like he would, never. Yeah. And, and then... So she sees him get arrested. All that happens. And then when she runs him again, he pulls a gun on her, says, look, I'm not going to shoot anybody. And he pulls the gun away. So even though I yes. think, you know, the, I, I will, I will say that you could make the argument that Nash as a person could be very intuitive and feel like going with her gut. She seemed like the kind of character she goes with her gut and she can sense this guy is even the cops say that. Remember when they first arrested like, that kid ain't a killer. Like they right. know he's not capable of this and she knows it. And, and I think no. she probably would have, I think other than the fact that it's Texas and it's you definitely get, you know, the the good old boy vibes that I think she feels like if she doesn't put the gun on them, that they're going to kill him anyway. And right. and, and and also, as, as somebody who's drank beer with with Tommy Howell, <laughs> he he really is a sweet guy and he comes okay. across that way. And so well, let's put it let's put it this way. He's uh, not like the 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 most. If I had to put in his filmography where he has played the most against type, it's Red Dawn. Uh-huh. And I love that. I love Robert. And I, I love, love him in that, and I love Red yeah. Dawn, but he is not that guy. He's just like the sweetest, soft-spoken guy ever. Right. But let's, okay, let's just think about this. Even if, you know, it's found out that uh, C. Thomas Howe is not the killer, and it's all the things, you know, shake out, holding holding a gun on a police officer is still a crime like even so she's still gonna go to jail you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure so i don't i'm not really sure what the and i have that problem too i don't want to get too deep into it but on the third act i I just feel like it it gets a little contrived that jim you know rutger howard is in custody and jim holds the the police officer up and is like no i have to go kill him because i assume he's gonna escape it's like it kind of seems like they needed one more action shootout so they just had to contrive a way for jim and the hitcher to come face to face again so i don't really the, the the vibe i got was it's like okay so he thinks that since this guy is bad that you know, the ends justify the means, but he well, but she pulled the still... gun because they were going to execute him. Right. I'm not, I'm not even talking about that anymore. I understand that. Yeah. They were going to execute him. I don't, I still don't buy that. I mean, they're in the, in a world that we live in now, or even where cops are videoed and posted online, they'll still right. shoot. They'll still shoot somebody. It doesn't, I guess I understand that. But I mean, the third act, you, you have to admit, the third act feels a little contrived where Jim's like, no, I, I have I to do no! that. No, no, hold on. I'll go, Matt, let, let me, can I step up to the plate uh, for yep, one second? Please. Okay. So here's where I would go. I would say under normal circumstances, I would agree with you, Jackson. I would. Here's the reason why. Because I've watched, since I've seen this movie, probably not as many times as your dad, but (laughs) I've seen it a darn few times. And I will say that the more times I watch it, the more I start watching it. And I think even Rucker Howard referred to it as an allegory. And mm-hmm, so yeah. if you watch it from that perspective and thinking through the whole goal, this is this is John Ryder's story and he has a goal and that goal is to be stopped. And the only way he can be stopped, he's, and it's not because, by the way, he feels bad for his evil. No, no, he's tired. He says he's tired. I almost visualize him as being almost like a vampire who's on the roads and can't oh, control himself. He can't stop himself. And the only way he can be stopped is by essentially passing on. I'm not going to make the Corey connection. I swear to God, Matt, so don't, oh, don't freak out on me. But he has to like, pass that on, that evil, the, the darkness, the killer instinct onto someone. And that is why when Halsey pulls the gun on the cop. Yes, under normal circumstances, it's totally a cheeseball thing. But he's right. If he doesn't pull the gun to the cop, 
He can't, you will never, there's only one person that can stop John Ryder, and that has to be the person that's been pushed into such a dark well, place. And he's seen what he can do, and yes, the cops he, haven't, and he knows there's no way they're going to contain him. They know that there's no way you're going to stop this guy unless you kill him. And, yes, and, and he knows exactly. that. And uh, that arc, and we do have, you know, uh, an arc here where in the beginning he would never do that. It's only after, spoiler alert, Jennifer Jason Lee is ripped apart. Yes. That he's like, okay, I got to take this guy out. And, yeah, and, and there I, is a, this is the supernatural aspect. Because I think in the same way that Halloween, the original, can be seen with having, there are, you can watch it, oh, it's just a killer coming after some babysitters. Or you can say, no, there's something supernatural going on. But what I love is it's never explicit. So John Ryder is, is in front of the cops, two-way mirror, and... Uh, Halsey barely says his name out loud and he you see him look like he heard it. Yes. How does he do that? How does he get how does he escape those cops? He throws you but they go out of their way to show you throwing those chains down. It's like they just came loose. It's like again I go back to look at it as like a fallen angel like the devil yeah. if as it were and he has got some but it's not like so crazy over the top powers that it's like it's it's cartoonish and campy. No 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 it's subtle and it's there and if Jim Halsey and Jim Halsey knows it he intuitively knows he is the only one that can literally stop this guy and it's only because he's allowed the darkness to seep so into yes. him into his soul he's now oh, because think about that last shot that last shot of him uh, on the car leaning over who's to say he's now not going to be the new hitcher uh well i and i haven't seen the hitcher too so maybe he is i, I have, don't know i have um you're not missing a lot from what i can remember <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've I rented I, it when it came out, and I don't think I've seen it since. I, I, I haven't seen it. Wasn't great. I haven't seen the remake either. I so. haven't either because I honestly didn't want to. I was like, no one's going. Even top though I power. love Sean Bean, I just haven't seen the yeah, remake. Yeah, but no but one's going to top Power, and no one's going to top no. uh, C. Thomas Howell in that movie. I'm sorry. No, and it's no. I completely agree with you. All right, Jackson, what what do you say? Have we convinced you at all? Anything? Any movement? Yeah, I mean, I can. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, if he is a supernatural, like a Michael Myers type guy, I guess I was just like the rules that the movie sets up in the beginning is when he gets pushed out of a car, he aches and that hurts him. You know what I mean? He's like, uh. You know what I mean? He's bleeding, so and he gets killed by a by gunshot. So I just yeah. assume that he wasn't supernatural. He's just a guy. But who so, hurts him? But who who pushes him out of that yeah. car? And hurts him. He doesn't yeah. get hurt by anybody else that I can recall. But right? he also, if you got right. thrown out of a car, you wouldn't just groan. No, but I think to to Jackson's point, he shows vulnerability, right? Yeah. But he, no, but he, no, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. But so what my, I'm saying. My my point is just like, okay, yeah, I understand that he has this sort of supernatural intuition of where Jim is. Um, I just I just feel like, you know what I mean? Like like Jim has no reason to think that when he's being transported in an armored car that he's somehow going to escape and that he would throw his life away to do it, that he would hold that cop up and steal that cop car. Unless he now knows that the only way he can stop him. Yeah, he knows John Ryder's going to get out and chase him. And he knows he only has one choice. And I can, yeah, I can see that perspective. It's just like, I'm just thinking about Jim at the beginning of the movie. Jim at the beginning of the movie, he's a sweet guy. He's just trying to get across the country. And then by the end, he's like got this like divine purpose to kill John Because Ryder, the darkness it, is now so deep uh, yeah. into him yeah. that he has to. That's okay. the only, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how sees, I take it. He sees Jennifer Jason Lee get killed, but that's, again, she he just met her. You know what I mean? It's like, it kind of, it just. Well, but uh, to be fair, it's Jennifer Jason Lee, and I've had a crush on her since 1982, <laughs> since 
sing Fast Times at Ridgemont right. High. So I, I'm just saying um, she's not I, hard I, on the I, eyes. And yeah, she's I understand a, entirely. She's an incredibly talented actress, by the way. I don't want people to attack me, but she's also a very attractive human being. I'm just saying. Right. And I, I understand that that viewpoint entirely. And, and Joel was, you know, close to convincing me. I just feel like. Since I had that presupposition, and since I watched it my first time that way, it's going to take a couple of rewatches. To it, and it, can I be honest with you, Jackson? I I totally agree with you, and I think that's what because for me, when I first saw the movie, there, I would not, I didn't consider any of that. I just loved it. I thought, and I and I want to come back to the Jennifer Jason, the Nash death, because that to me, that oh. moment. That was one of the first movies because I get I had to see this when I was like 14, pushing 50, because I think I first saw Last House of the Left when I was like 15, 16, which is way too young. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was around the same time I saw I Spit in Your Grave, which is kind of well, it's not hilarious. Ha ha. But it's hilarious in that I saw both those movies fairly close together when I was way too young. And everyone uh, growing up, I was always told, oh, you watch these movies, they're going to turn you into like a degenerate and a horrible person. They'll make you do horrible things. Had the opposite effect. Like to this day, like any kind of graphic sexual assault in a movie, I can't even take. I, I it, can't. It, I, it bothers me. It's like you. almost nothing other than like kids. Uh, a graphic sexual assault and then anything to do with like like fingernails or teeth for some reason. <laughs> I, those are, I those am are my almost line. with you. Like I watched Terrifier 2 Monday with horror fan Ryan and there's a scene where Art the Clown is slicing a kid's back with a razor. Oh, for me, the kid thing, it's like, it's almost like I don't even have to see anything. It's like Gage in Pet Cemetery. That moment to yeah, the dad. It's so, I the older I get, the it. more, yeah, the, the more horrifying it is. But, but with, with Nash, when yes. she's, he's just like, you know, there is nothing to dislike about her character. Nothing. Yeah. And this is where, okay, I'm going to tick some people off. I don't believe in, in, in karma strictly um, because. You know, well, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, um, you know, um, you know, just because you do good things doesn't mean good things are happening to you. But you still hate it, I think, instinctively as a human being, when you see that Nash has been such a good person and what she goes through. It's just like it, it's just one of those events in movies that I've rewatched. Where I'm like. I'm watching it and I'm hoping it ends differently. Yes, I, that that's exactly it. And yeah. it, and back to that point that so I had seen those movies relatively early in my life, maybe teenage wise, horror movie wise, and this movie to me when that scene happened, and that's why I think oh. it had to be before them up to that point. I felt like it was the darkest moment I had seen in a movie, maybe outside of like gauge and pet cemetery that where because it feels you know what it is it's such a hopeless nihilistic moment to have your uh. hero of your movie with the girl that's supposed to be like oh he's gonna save her and for them to because you think about it too it's also the way that whole scene plays out with the way writers like look he wants him to stop him and he's like yes of course you shoot him it's she's gonna be die, die. Yeah. but but it's like he felt like even that couldn't get him to do it. And he, and just that look on his face and the fact that it happens. And like, to your point, every, I know how it ends. And every time I see the movie uh. and I know the argument could be made, Oh, they should show it. Cause I think if I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen the remake. I think they do, or at least show uh, it more. I, I, uh, but and I, and I think it's also with her before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think that <laughs> I honestly think that not showing it, and just showing the tightening oh. of the arms and then the, the and then that that the engine and just knowing the power and like there's no chance zero that you survive that nada and uh. just the gym had to then get out of the cab of the car there, yeah if he shot him 
then his foot comes off the clutch. Yeah. He gets ripped yes. apart. If yes. he doesn't, doesn't shoot, shoot or him. he puts his foot on the gas. And you're waiting for that that saving thing, like the thing that's going to, like the like a sniper's going to take out Ryder and the exactly. is going to grab or, the air or, or somebody's going to come in and just like chainsaw, you know, yeah, one of the things yes. so that her, her feet or something like chain right the when he pulls links off. to her yes. feet so that yes. she's just fine. And you're like, waiting for it. Ah, oh, it's a heartbreaking and that would have been the, moment. It is so heartbreaking. And that would have been the safe way to go come up with some chits about uh. contrive right but the fact that the movie it has the balls to be that like just it dark does. and hopeless in that yeah. moment which then in my opinion is what sets up halsey to from that moment on to have he's gets it like, now that's he's the, ready to kill him yeah yep. i agree jackson what do you think you had to your heart had to break when nash was just torn up torn apart yeah definitely that's a really that's a really rough scene I, you know honestly watching it i was kind of confused because uh, it doesn't show it i was confused for a second i thought maybe that she had survived somehow and then like as oh, time went no on way. and i didn't see her more and more i was like no oh. no way yeah she's torn um, apart but, i used um, to do going back to what we were talking about before we were, we were recording when we were talking offline i used to represent uh warner trucking <laughs> i was a lawyer for warner trucking no those things are so powerful there i i'm not there's there's no saving someone from that it, it is unreal how powerful those it is such a are. barbaric medieval way to kill oh someone my too. gosh it is yeah it's yeah, the william it's, wallace right it's, it's braveheart oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. tearing a person apart but how did you how did you feel about because i've never heard you talk about this i'm pretty sure i know how gilman joel knows because we're somewhat close in age and we grew up in the 80s jennifer jason lee I love her. Absolutely yeah. love her. Yeah, of course. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Hateful Eight. I know a lot of people give me crap about that because they, <laughs> if for some reason everybody hates that, they're like, that's the worst Tarantino movie. That's one of my favorites. It's my I've favorite heard movie. people could, I listened to a podcast in preparation with this where they actually said they hated the Hateful Eight and they hated this movie. What? Yeah, I can't. I can't believe that because she's yep. so good in both. I mean, it's very. Oh, she's, she's fantastic. Like, she's, fantastic. She's, she's so sweet in this, and then she's just dirty in. Yeah. And but in real. everything, I mean, she's uh, she's great in Eyes of a Stranger, Easy Money, Did you ever see the, to Brooklyn. Have you ever seen the Big Picture with Kevin Bacon? Yes, it's a I great lo- movie. She I and she's love fantastic. that movie. JT Walsh is in that. I yep. love that movie so much. It's I love movie. that movie, and she's great in it. And and she is by all. You know what I've heard. I've never met her, but I've heard that she is eccentric. She's she's kind of out there, but she's such a talented actress. I mean, just road to perdition and backdraft and you name it. I mean, she just she's always fantastic. So I'm glad, Jackson. I'm glad to hear you think you you, you like her. Yeah, of course. I mean, can you imagine if I was like, yeah, Kitcher, great movie. Jennifer Jason Lee really sucked in it, though, honestly. I can't stand her. <laughs> I'd be like, what is college doing to him? I was yeah, happy yeah. when she died. Yeah. Oh, you can find it disturbing and dark. You could pull a Roger Ebert and be like, oh, I couldn't handle it. But do not call it a bad movie. It is not a bad no, movie. No, no. It is a great movie. She is great in it. I... I love everything Jennifer. I've never seen Jennifer Jason Lee be bad in a movie. No, I don't think I ever. Even, I haven't seen the Amityville movie that she's in. <laughs> but, I no, I haven't either. But, but I bet I, you, I bet you, she's good in that. I'll I, bet yeah. you. Yeah, I'll bet yeah. you. Yep. Yeah. 
And she was, what was the, Jackson, you loved it. What was the movie from a few years ago? Annihilation. Annihilation and Possessor. But, and she oh, was in Possessor. Right. She right. was in both. That. Yeah, and okay. they, she was great in both. Yes, yeah. Single white female. She's like Barbara Crampton. She's barely yeah. aged. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, all right. And we also have to talk about, even though he has a small role in this movie, Jeffrey DeMunn as the captain. That's right. Ugh. I love him. This may have been the first thing I ever saw him in, but I remember like the first, it, it, there was like a period in the nineties. Um, and I was living in Washington DC at the time. And, and my buddies and I, when we would get home late at night from working on Capitol Hill and we'd watch HBO, you know, unless it was Thursday night when of course you had to watch like friends and Seinfeld and Frasier and mad about you and that kind of stuff. But Otherwise, we were watching HBO, and Jeffrey DeMunn was like in Barbarians at the Gate and Citizen X. Oh, where, that movie. That's what oh, I forgot. He, he was Chickatillo. He That's was right. Chickatillo. He was the oh serial killer. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. And he's, we just covered that not that long ago. Oh, he's such an amazing actor. Dude, he is. Are you Dale from The Walking Dead? Yeah, and, I, and I'm not even a huge fan of The Walking Dead, but I love him in it. I have watched every freaking episode. It's like that, I'm at that point now where I just I, I have to see it through to the end. Just because, I mean, we've I, every I episode. Yeah. I get it. I, I checked out like maybe three or four yep. seasons in. I was going to say like, like most, like most people. Like, like a lot according, <laughs> according to the ratings. Yeah. But I, I love Jeffrey DeMunn as the captain. Jackson, I've never heard you talk about Jeffrey DeMunn. What do you think? Oh, he's fantastic. I mean, I'm a big Frank Darabont fan, so um, uh, and he's he's so good in like the mist and the green mile and the blob and stuff like that. He's, he's I, I was gonna say he's great except for that last scene in the mist where he doesn't stop a guy from doing something really stupid that makes the entire movie pointless. But continue. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. go ahead. Yeah, Joel's <laughs> wrong about that, but go ahead. <laughs> we don't listen. We don't want to go down way, that route. Hilarity, hilarity is that as like you would think based on how much I love the hitcher, how dark and like you know, yes. hopeless. And you think, but, so, but yeah, but and, and and I would feel the same way about the mist if the character doing because it. Because if it had a happy ending, it no, would be such a no, memorable movie. I don't want it to have a happy ending. I don't need happy endings. I love Seven. I love The Hitcher. No, no. What I want is a ending that makes sense. For instance, the dad thinking, like, legitimately giving him the appearance that the 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 monsters are on, like, there's no hope. All hope is, okay, now it makes sense the last second he's going to do it. And then it turns out right then the the shells fall and the military saves him. That I would have bought. That's a dark ending. It's the fact that the freaking, oh, I'm not doing this. You, you, you're baiting me, Rawlings. I'm not doing this. <laughs> well, Joe, I think I think what, what you need to realize is in that moment, Thomas Jane realizes the darkness. That's, oh, that's what Okay. He, <laughs> uh, maybe I need to rewatch it with that context. Okay. Well, yeah. first of all, John you need to watch Ryder it. In, by. You need to buy the Blu-ray, watch yeah. it in black and white. I know. I will. I, the I black need to and white is fantastic. Yeah. And no, I'm I'm sorry. This is this is the one thing that you and I have serious disagreements about. I love that ending. I think it's fantastic. But back to topic, Jeffrey DeMunn, I uh, he's one of those guys where I understand that like his his, his you know, his personality, etc. He was never going to be like the head lead character in a sitcom or yeah. something like that. But he's such a great actor. Yeah, he's a great character actor. Yes. He's a great character actor. And, oh, man, I love him in this. He's so cool. And, like, C. Thomas Howe pulls the gun on him, and he's like, 
You don't know what you're doing. His cadence and everything is perfect in that. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes, this is a seasoned police officer. You can see it. And he doesn't understand what he's dealing with, with Rutger Hauer, with John Ryder. But at the same time, you know, he's not an outlandish character. I love him. Yeah. Uh, And so the technical aspects, as we start to wrap up, I mean, the cinematography, I think, is really good. Yes. For what was a a fairly low budget movie, the editing, you know, you know, and I know that the director, Robert Harmon, hasn't had a storied career. Thanks probably to Roger Ebert. But I I think this is a well-made movie. And you two guys have... Yeah, well, all three of us have directed, but Jackson, what do you think of the technical aspects here? Oh, I think it, it looks fantastic. I think it's edited perfectly. I talked about the pacing, and that it really yeah. is a wonder with this movie. I mean, it really moves. Even when you have that scene. It, it, that's what the thing that threw me off about that podcast was like, it's slow, it's boring. It's like, it's an hour what is slow? Yeah, I don't get that at all. Span. I don't get that at all. Yeah, and and uh, I mean, like, even when there's not really anything happening, we have Jim in the jail. Even that scene, it, because it's so tense, you're waiting on the next day, you know what I mean? How's he going to explain this? And then, well, he doesn't really have to worry about that. He's got bigger problems on his hands the next day. But uh, I just, like, any even when nothing's happening, the tension is building. We're, we're, we're learning things either about Jim. Oh, uh, when that or, dog... In the jail? Oh, that's so disturbing. Uh And by the way, that, I think, again, in in the same kind of sense of, like, Halloween, that moment with the dog is almost supernatural, right? The way... It's it's the way it comes. It is up. almost dreamlike. Yes, that's yeah. Dreamlike is maybe even a better word for it. Where it's just in the way he pauses and just stares at, and and then when he comes around the corner, sees what the dog is doing. Yeah, and the fact that it implies that John Ryder had just snuck into that police station and just murdered them all like ninja style. You know what I mean? He had just <laughs> yes. like they had. They didn't even have time to get a single <laughs> shot off. He was just so efficient with well, the killing. Well, one of them did because their gun was empty. No, he took but, their no, gun no. and John, it was John empty. Ry- remember? No, but here, wait, hold on, Matt. It's empty because Ryder took the bullets. I think that's what it is. Oh, yeah, did he take the bullets? I yes. thought he just shot it and he no, had Ryder, the bullets. Because no. Ryder knows for a fact uh, that there are no bullets That's why in he it. doesn't get scared. Like when, 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 because he, he knows. Well, but he, he knows because he looks. Remember, he looks under the table and well, he, he says gives it's him, empty. Well, he gives him the bullets in the napkin, Yes, right? that's what he does. He gives him the bullets. When he puts the pennies on his eyes, which represents death, right? That's what they used to do with the corpse. Uh, yeah, well, that's the, that's the what is it? The tokens for the river sticks, but, right? Okay, now, no, follow my logic. I'm so darn close to convincing Jackson I'm right on this. All right, Jack, okay, we'll follow this, right? So Ryder somehow knows yeah. that 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 Halsey is going to take that gun and yeah. then he has the bullets and then he does the river sticks thing. Why wouldn't he have just left the bullets in and let Halsey shoot him then, right? Because he wants him to stop him. He knows right. Halsey, has his soul has to be so dark. Like it has, he has to be so turned to the dark side that right. he can do it and so he knows he's not ready yet so when he puts those pennies that the symbolism right you're going to go down the river sick it's a transformation he's almost right. there he's transforming him into the killer that will be capable of actually finally I'm eliminating yep. john so Ryder. right so what you're saying is he at that moment uh, Jim could have walked away. He could have done what I think he should do at the end and just not held up the cop. He would yes. have just rode away. Yes. But once Jennifer Jason Lee is dead, yes, that's, that's the point where he's That's the point of no return. return. Yes, yes, 100%. 100%. And, and no return. Let, let me say this about Tom Howell. Um, 
I love the fact that if you go back and you watch movies from the 80s, which, mm-hmm. Joel, you've done a bunch on your podcast. A couple times. Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> yeah, you, there is that scene in the diner. See, Thomas, how we've all watched movies where people have been through all this trauma and they still look like they're made up. Yes. But see, Thomas Howe looks a mess. Oh, he does. He looks legit. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, I do too. You know what it is? It's John McClane in the first Die Hard at the end. Looks yep. legit. Like, okay, that guy's been through hell and back. Die- J- John McClane at the end of that abomination, whose title I will not say, which was the fifth uh, Die Hard movie. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's got a little tiny boo-boo above his eyebrow and he's completely clean. He's like, no, no, no. John McClane should be a dirty mess. And you're right. Halsey has that. He's been through hell and back. Hell he's and got back. that sore on his mouth. He's got oh, dust yeah. all over him. His hair is a mess. I love that. And yeah. so, Jackson, I would just encourage you as a future filmmaker to keep that in mind. Don't don't let your actors say, I got to look this yeah. way. It's like this. This Check guy looks ego. like he has been through what he's been through. Yes. Yeah. Dirt yeah, equals awards. Tell them. Yes. I, yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to cake them in mud like a nine inch nails performance. Of course. That's what I got to do. Although <laughs> like I, 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 I did want to mention too, because you guys brought up the, the look of it. John Seal, the DP, man, he's done some really top notch. He's had 46 Emdaba uh, credits. And uh, <laughs> along with this movie, he did um, uh, Dead Poet Society. Oh, he wow. Was, he did, uh, was it? Uh, which is a great looking film. Oh, yeah. Rain Man, which is, I think it's one of those oh, movies. Wow. It's understated, but it's still a beautiful movie. Witness with Harrison Ford. Oh, wow. Yeah. He did Children of a Lesser God, The Mosquito Coast, Gorillas in the Mist. Those are a, all great looking movies. Yeah, they really are. Um, uh, the uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I can wow. see Fury Road with this one. I can see Fury Road. Yeah, it definitely wow. has that. It has that like dry, arid feel to yes. it. Like just visually, yes. even you know, we have the rainstorm at the beginning, obviously, and you can really feel that like wet bogginess of that. But once he which gets it out is, it is it is is never rained in Barstow, California. By the way, that that <laughs> I, I have to say. It, this movie is set in Texas. I lived in Texas for three years. Um, I've driven cross country three times after seeing the hitcher. Didn't pick anyone up. Um, <laughs> Smart. I've been through Barstow many times. This is Barstow, California. I didn't look it up, but I'm telling you this is Barstow, California, where they filmed this because this is not Texas. Texas looks very different from that. Well, the good news is for for Floridians like me, I have no idea. So I just bought yeah, me it. neither. I bought yeah. it. Oh, Bar- Barstow, Barstow is part of Death Valley. Oh, okay. I got you. I, I at least now understand the context of why you would have that reaction. It, it is pure desert. There, There is no... You know, they may get a rainstorm once every 10 years. That does yeah. not happen. That being said, in 1987, when I watched this, I did not know that. And, you know, even though I've, I've been through Barstow once at that point, but I, I still, it's uh, whatever. It, but go ahead, Jackson. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hijack your point. Well, it's just, I mean, the way, even the way it's shot, it definitely has that Mad Max feel to it, where it's like, when they're out in the desert, it's just hopeless. You know what I mean? When he gets to like a diner or a gas station, like that's civilization. But outside of that oasis, there's just nothing. That's a good point. Like when he's driving the cop car. Yeah. And he's going over the hill. And then all of a sudden you see the helicopter and the cars behind him. And that is totally Fury Road. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then and and it's like when whenever their like car is getting damaged, I'm like, you better hope you make it to the police station because like you can't walk that. You're gonna die if your car breaks <laughs> down out there. Oh yeah. Oh, and, and Barstow, and yeah. 
I'm really glad you said Mad Max because obviously I was, Fury Road should have made me think of it, but it was you saying it, Jackson. That's another, the original Mad Max is another great parallel to this one without going into anything. Don't want to spoil Mad Max. It's too soon. Um, that there is a dark <laughs> twist of sorts, a loss of loved ones of sorts that is super just hopeless and turns oh. that character into a killing machine as well. And right. I think, so there's that parallel, but it's also this thing feels kind of like that original Mad Max. It's not post-apocalyptic like road warrior. It feels like it's the, the dawn right before yeah. the apocalypse, right? Right that's before what, the apocalypse. That's yeah. what, to me, that's what the hitcher really feels like too. There's a sense of, a, there's a, 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 a apocalypse on the horizon, like right over that well, ridge. And, uh, I'm so glad you said it. So I have a dear friend um, named Miho Khan. Uh, people can look her up. Um, she's married to a very good buddy of mine, <clears throat> a counselor named Dave Wiedis outside of Philadelphia. So, she was hitchhiking through this area where they filmed this back in the 80s. She was picked up and she was a, to go back before we were recording, talking about hippies. Um, she's a hippie and artist and architect and all that kind of stuff and interior designer and so forth. And so, she gets picked up by this hitchhiker. The hitchhiker's like, you know, my house is up here if you want to take a shower and get something to eat. And she's like, yeah. And she goes in and so she goes into his bathroom. Oh, real quick. Take she, a shower. I want to ask you, was she the hitchhiker or was he the hitchhiker? She was the hitchhiker. Okay. Just want to make sure. All right. Yeah. She was the hippie hitchhiker, artist gotcha. okay, hitchhiker. Gotcha. Yeah. This is back in the eighties around this same time. So, you know, he picks her up. She goes to his house. She goes to his bathroom and there's a scrapbook lying by the toilet. The scrapbook is of him dismembering hitchhikers. Oh, my, oh God. my God. And she eventually got away. Um, she crawled through a window and flagged out a police car. She has a one-woman show called Clean Sheets that she does, talking about this in part. She survived a serial killer. This guy killed like 50 people. Wow. What? 50 people? Who is yep. this guy? I, I I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, no, she's she survived. I mean, he had an entire scrapbook of just Polaroids, if people remember what that is, of just chopping people into bits. That's dark. <laughs> and she was hitchhiking on the same stretch of highway that this was filmed. Which That's proves crazy. yet again why you watch horror movies. Yes, so you know what not to do. Exactly. Well, let's let's talk about this. I mean, like, okay, now in the in the age of of cell phones and Uber, I feel like hitchhikers aren't as common, and there's like even less of a reason to pick them up. I mean, like now, okay, I this is in the the zeitgeist right now. Ta everybody's talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, but his first his first victim was. Uh, a hitchhiker, right? Right. So it's like that. It's just there's really no good on either side of the aisle. Like on, on the way, on like. the way to the mountains, we we recently got back from the North Carolina mountains. <laughs> on the way there, scruffy looking guy on the side of the road had his thumb out. I looked at the kids and hey guys, wanna wanna live on the edge? We got room <laughs> no. in the van. They're like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I would never no. do. I, even though I, I have picked jokes, up. 
I have picked up Hitchhikers. Oh, but that's crazy. I would never do it. I that. have, but they were people that I knew because I grew up in a small town. I'm, I'm the oh, pastor's kid. that doesn't kid. count. That doesn't uh, count. Okay, but still, <laughs> that's a, I that's knew like they were I like- I saw my friend on the side of the road and he was just walking. I'm like, hey, Well, buddy, they weren't friends, but they are people I knew and you they knew, knew they me. they weren't going to do something horrific to you. Correct. Okay. So maybe. Yeah. I mean, but, we we I mean, we had Texas Chainsaw, obviously, in in uh, 70, 74. Um, so I mean, we had known for a while us horror movie fans not to pick up Hitchhikers, but this one really cements it. I mean, it's a whole movie about that. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's crazy. Like I said, you guys can go Google Miho Khan, M I H O K H A N. You can find her online at her one woman show, Clean Sheets, which she does around the country. Um, uh, incredible, but yeah, she survived a serial killer after hitchhiking, but I, to go a different route, to go a more positive route, even though Miho's show is great. Um, we have been promised for like a year, a 4k Blu-ray release of this movie. I haven't seen it. Have you Joel? No, cause I would own it. <laughs> yes, I haven't seen. It. I want it, I, but I, but but I haven't seen it. Jackson, you would want this, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I would love some behind the scenes stuff too. Oh, it'd be great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and Joel, down your alley, because I know how much you love this. I love the poster for this too. Oh, yeah, and I have it. You have the poster. I have it. I I got an original. Um, it's it was uh, this is back in the time when they would fold the posters, right? It wasn't yeah. rolled like they did in the nineties. So the one I got, it's in. It's not ripped or anything, but the creases are pretty like significant. But I was like, I don't care. Oh. It's, an, it's an original the Hitcher, and I got it for, in my opinion, a song because I thought I was going to pay a lot for it. <laughs> so oh. uh, yes, it, it was definitely worth. It. So I'd like I'm to get jealous. a cleaner. I'd like to get a cleaner copy, but that's. I'm at least happy I have that one. So yes, I, I hope Justin Beam listens to this podcast occasionally because we've messaged back and forth. Justin, if there's anything you can do, and oh, I please. know, I know, I'm a lawyer, I understand the rights issues, but if there's anything you can do to get the Hitcher out on Shout Factory with a new poster, I would love that. Jackson, have you seen the poster? Uh, yes, that's that's a class. I I'd I'd seen the poster, and now don't 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 uh, don't don't be mad at me here. I don't know how this happened, but somehow. I had gotten for years the Hitcher and body bags mixed up somehow. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But so I, when I saw the, when I looked up the Hitcher on IMDb, I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I, I could see the Hitcher and Breakdown or the Hitcher and Joyride or the Hitcher, but body bags is an interesting one. I, I, uh, I'm trying to figure out. I don't know. The mind, the mind works in mysterious ways. It does. It does. So, by, yeah, body bags or body part? Wh which one? Body bags? Body bags. The John yeah. Carpenter oh, okay. anthology film, right? Yeah. Which yeah. I love the oh, opening of that. that oh, the, yeah. the one in the gas station. Oh, it's fantastic. fantastic. 100% oh, yeah. with you. It's my favorite one. Oh, yeah. it's great. Again, is there anything in story. body bags with like a hitchhiker or anything? There's, there's the woman who's at the, at the gas station at night. And so it does yep. have that isolated uh, on the highway side of the highway kind of vibe. So maybe that's why mm. you were thinking of it. Is that the one with Mark Hamill in it? He's in one yeah, of the, one of the shorts, like, not that one. Yeah, he's in the one with the eyeball episode yeah. or whatever oh, it is. Okay. And so, yeah. But yeah, that's the the gas station episode is the one with uh, David Naughton from American Werewolf in yes. London oh, yep. and Wes Craven's in it. Yep. And, um, and the nerd from is, Revenge of the Nerds. 
Oh, um, uh, uh, Robert Carradine. The Carradine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, him, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but wasn't that the one that Carpenter directed, too? Was that the short he yeah, directed? He yeah, he directed that yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. He and Toby Hooper did that. So, yeah, I, I, I get it, Jackson. No problem. But let's talk about, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, let's go to our ratings and recommendations. Jackson, Joel, do you have anything else before we go to our ratings and recommendations? Not really, other than uh, Jackson, make me proud. <laughs> i've been I, I, waiting for this for you yeah. i have i have been talked up a little i think from my from my original oh no when it was a 3.5 no no <laughs> that's the remake that low. <laughs> maybe yeah we'll have to watch that one yeah um but, no you don't uh, uh, you never know. I mean, there there are certain. I mean, we all we all were. I think we were all cynical about the Evil Dead remake, and then we watched it and we're like, okay, that was actually kind of a good movie. Um, yeah, but, the uh, Hitcher remake. I don't think is that movie. Maybe but, not. Maybe not. And they made a Fright Night remake. I just I just don't get that. The, this the, I, I mean, like when you've got this like perfect cozy didn't love the Fright 80s Night movie. remake either. But anyway, that's a, I love Fright Night. I just don't like the Fright Night. It's remake. almost yeah, like it's right. a cynical calculation to take a title from a, pro- a popular property and then manipulate that just to make an extra buck. It's almost oh, like that's what it's you're like. just a almost conspiracy like theorist. I, I'm, Joel. I'm a cynical conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yes. You are correct. <laughs> All right, Jackson. What's your rating? Look, guys, I'm I'm coming in between a seven and a seven point five. Oh, that's acceptable. Um, I'm not I'm not angry oh. at you. Now, listen, Joel. I, I don't know if it'll make it better, but the stepfather's a nine for me. Okay, well, so. okay, never mind. You're back on my good side. Okay, okay yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh. So oh. I do like the stepfather more than this. I think me and Joel can agree on that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, the stepfather's I'm, in. I'm equal there, but go ahead, Joel. No, I was just going to say for me, I, it's funny. The stepfather, yes, but see, my my list is like this ever-evolving, undulating mass that just changes. <laughs> like after rewatching this in preparation for this, I'm like, you know, I think if I did my list right now, I'd have to put the hitcher on it. Got to be honest with you. I don't know that it'd be above the above stepfather, but it's it's right in there. It's in yeah. there. So what, what rating do you give it? I know you don't like to give ratings, but what would you give this? Who, me? Yes. Oh, okay. I guess we did get Jackson, so that would be who you're talking to. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably upset. So I'm gonna probably upset you a little bit here. Uh, it's a ten out of ten. Actually, uh, <laughs> it's a ten out of ten. No, I, it's, it's a, a ten out of ten for me too. Yeah, I, I, I love this movie. I forget, love it. I forget how much I love it, and then I rewatch it, and then I get uh, even something more from it. I'm like, oh, that's right. I freaking love this movie. It is perfectly cast. It is perfectly paced. It is just ah, uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yep. it's a ten out of ten. It was the number four uh, when I went through Letterboxd and I started to rank horror movies by year. Um, this was number four behind Blue Velvet, Aliens, and The Fly. Nice. Man, that's stiff competition. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that, is, that is really stiff competition. Yeah, yes. so it's 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 up there. I love this movie. So, all right. Well, Joel, well, I'm pretty sure people know, but go ahead and say where they can find you. Online, I will, but buddy. there is one last thing. I know you already okay. said, hey, do Definitely. you have anything else you want to say before you give your rating? And I should have remembered this. I did want to say this. Did you see the trivia that supposedly Sam Elliott Yes. Was the top choice to play John Ryder? Yes. What? Now they said yeah. now they did say also Terrence Stamp, which that one I could see. That one yeah. I could see. Yeah. But Sam, at least it's Sam Elliott was terrifying. I'm like, the the, the mustache guy, the, the cowboy? Yeah. Like, no, he's not scary. I like him. I think he's a great actor, but he's not scary to me like that. I yeah. One of the things that uh, Tom Howe told me, because one of the conversations we had was I always thought Rudger Howard have a bigger career. I, I just, 
you know, I understand that he had vehicles like One Dead or Alive and Blind Fury that didn't exactly break box office records. Split second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can have that. But it's, you know, but he did have, you know, Blade Runner and a movie I know you love, Joel, Lady Hawk. You know, but I know, I know you hate that movie, but he was still. I like Lady Hawk. I, I, I do too. So (laughs) I'm I'm in the minority, I think. Yeah. But it's, he still had hits and it was like, I was always shocked that he just didn't have a bigger career. Yeah. And he was so charismatic and just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. According to Tom Howe, because even directors and studio executives were intimidated by him. (laughs) Bunch of wussies. (laughs) <laughs> they just didn't, they honestly didn't want to be around him. He creeped them out. Oh, uh, well, that's I guess their 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 cowardice is our loss as an audience. Exactly. But so, yeah, no, this is this is a 10 out of 10. I love it. So where can they find you, Joe? Uh, they, they can find me, uh, of course, Retro Movie Geek, which just if you're not familiar with that show is a very mature exploration of cinema <laughs> where I and my co-host who two esteemed uh, academics Daryl and Peter, uh, we delve uh, deep into. We basically we we like to deconstruct cinema, <laughs> and and we talk about it in, in a very. I will warn you oh if you're gosh. like if you're kind of like a like a, a very p you know like non PC anti woke kind of person you're gonna hate it because it's extremely politically correct. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm, no, I'm totally for like we're like twelve year olds. Never mind all that. Um, yeah, so that's sure. Retro Movie Geek. You're wasting. It is your- the it is the exact opposite it of the everything I just podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's totally the opposite. Um, so yes, that and of course, Jay of the Dead's new horror movies. Yep. And uh, check that out. It's always a great time. I love that Jay puts out like eighteen hour long podcasts, of which I sometimes am like an, am in uh, like an hour hour and a half of. So it doesn't take up my entire life, which, is, oh. which I appreciate. But it's fun to be so part and of well, something. The with one so many thing about Jay of the Dead's new horror movie podcast that I've been shocked by is that you maybe it's just because you're just such a nice guy. <laughs> you haven't attacked Macula that he hated Night of the Living Dead. I don't think I don't know that I've been with him when that's I maybe once and it was just kind of a throwaway and I we got it was one of those well we tabled it to be revisited in another time. He talked about how bad he thinks that movie I, is and I'm you, like, okay and i know that's in your top 10 i know you love that movie. yes and he's he i love macula but he's uh completely and utterly a, a horrible human being for saying that <laughs> uh, so uh i i i've already told jay this he knows i don't get to listen to as much podcasts like of any sort that, that I once did by any stretch of the imagination, right. uh, let alone ones that I'm involved with. <laughs> so right, right, um, right. I will catch things here and there, but I don't think I heard, I've heard of the rant, but I have not heard the rant okay. um, because yes, that is a complete and utter. He thought it was badly shot, badly acted, mm. badly edited. Mm. So you saying Dwayne Jones as Ben is uh, yeah. really, yeah, he, that's, did, he, no, did, he didn't seem no. to care for any of it. I don't, I think he is wrong. I so how do you feel? How do you feel, Joel, about the ending of Night of the Living Dead? Do you think <laughs> I, that maybe I, I the military it. should have rescued? No, nope, I love it. I love the ending of that. <laughs> just and, like and, the ending of The Mist. And just, so. No, and I would have <laughs> I would have loved the ending of The Mist had the character had more. Okay, look, it's very simple. If my child is with me and there is a monster that is literally starting to devour him and like it's he's, he's going to die horribly like legit hor- like I, i'm i'm convinced of it 
Like I wasn't convinced that Thomas Jane was convinced. He hears some things. There's the mist. Oh, I've only got one bullet left. Who do I give it to? Oh, he hasn't seen anybody die horribly from that. But but uh but, but but what I'm saying is that I guess if I had seen so, like like the things are coming into the car and like he knows like I got to do it, boom! And then the second he does, you hear like the sound like the <laughs> boom, and the shells hit the monster, and the military rolls in. It's like oh my god! If he had waited, now I get what it's I get. Called da- irony. Okay, I get what Darabont was trying to do. Actually, I'm kind of Joel's kind of convincing me right now. Uh, I'm kind of, what I'm saying is, my issue isn't that he kills the kid. My issue is that he spent the whole movie trying to keep the dumb kid alive and kills him because of some creepy noises that okay. turn that turn out to be the military. Which ultimately, because when we consider the context of when this movie came out, was at the height of everybody was really getting way over the Iraq War, right? So it was a shot at the military-industrial complex, which I actually agree with. Him. That's not the point. The Joel's, point. Joel's actually convinced me. I think the ending of the uh, movie could have been better. Uh, <laughs> That's my argument. It's not that it's dark. Uh, I'm fine with that. I am yeah. totally fine with that. It's the it's myth potential. Yeah, it's like if all he had to do was just give a little bit more well, reason. Well, speaking of dark endings that work, <laughs> like the Pet Cemetery remakes better than the original. Oh, but anyway, don't even. So, don't even. <laughs> oh my god, that's so movie. much better. So Joel's never <laughs> coming on the podcast again, and it's over. No, I like I like getting ginned up, Jackson. So it's actually. Oh, <laughs> this is like your monster energy. It's yeah, it is. It is. It's totally. Like, oh yeah, we're fighting. Let's do it. <laughs> Jackson, where can they find you, buddy? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. Uh, you can find my Letterboxd and, and YouTube from there. You can find uh, you can find me and Dad on Retro Movie Geek. We did an episode on Footloose. Yep. That was a lot of fun. And have we been on again? Uh, Spooky Flicks Curse Fest. of the Werewolf. We and did we two did Gothic. Spooky yes. Gothic, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Spooky um, Flicks Fest is going on now. I was just listening to one. Which, earlier. by the way, this is my favorite year so far. Really? I mean, it's just it's just been just banger episode after banger. Oh, that's episode. awesome! Well, I, and a lot of that's because I finally had the oh so wise slash lazy idea of like, wait, I have a lot of friends who are great podcasters, and I'd love to promote their shows. <laughs> they should do an episode. <laughs> it's yeah, that that's that's great. But also, I've been loving like the, your Tales from the Dark Side episode. Oh, that cool. was so fantastic. Oh, so, I listened to that this morning. Awesome. When I was all, yeah, when I my first walk with the dogs, I listened to that. That was great. And my, so with my buddy yeah, Doug, that took me way back. And Doug is. Is Doug a, a minister? Yes, yes, yeah. I, I, I apparently, uh, uh, despite being such a heathen, I attract many minister friends. It's really weird. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, Columbus is like an hour and fifteen minutes away from me. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, he's right in your neck of the woods. Yeah, he's so in my neck I'm, of the woods. Okay, I take it back. I'm, I'm only friends with ministers who live in Ohio. There you go. I think, I think uh, you're. God is trying to baptize you. The it, horrors it, of Ohio. Are yeah, the horrors of Ohio. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we don't have hurricanes here, Joel. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So, yeah, but, or you have snow, but you have snow. We do have snow. Yes, yes I, don't do have have I don't have that problem. I don't have that problem. Well, you know, climate change will will. Oh yeah, okay, right. Actually, you'll be pretty tropical soon, so I can just move up there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I can be found on Letterboxd and Twitter at Pastor Matt, or you can find more of our stuff at Father and Son Watch you also can become a Patreon for as little as $2.50 a month. All proceeds go to Jackson to help him through film school. So, Joel, thanks for being on again, buddy. It's always, always great. The pleasure is all mine, gentlemen. I thank you. And Jackson, say goodbye to good people. Goodbye. And remember, kids, to tune in next time for our discussion of the uh, Rucker Hauer vehicle Magic Flute Diaries from 2008. <laughs> 
Oh listen, listen, gosh. it's sitting at a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Not bad. That's, Not bad. That's honestly. better. That's better than uh, my uh, my little short horror movie was ranked on yeah. IMDb. I'll take it. Well, I'm. I think that's unjust. Uh, can I just weird. say? <laughs> listen, but 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 listen. I will say this. I'm looking right now. Magic Flute Diaries has three paragraphs of a summary on IMDb, and it's written by the director. Are you serious? Uh, that's amazing. Jackson, if you want to do your own Zencaster podcast on Rutger Hauer movies, you go right ahead. You just invite me on for one of Dead or Alive and Blind Fury, and, and we'll invite be done. me on for that Magic Flute one because that sounds uh, amazing. And I'll get uh, Peter on for Blade Runner. I know how this is going. Like, this is turning into oh, my werewolf. I, into my werewolf the tv I, show the yes, broke, real quick i broke peter oh, here's what i did and i'm pretty sure this is why peter wasn't on so <laughs> he doesn't hold a grudge you kidding blade me? runner was on like streaming on hulu or something i just had it on in the background i'm watching it i send him a, a message to peter and i said peter <clears throat> can you explain something to me about blade runner he said of course i said okay so the movie opens up with them testing to see if they're replicants or they're humans. But then two scenes later, they have pictures of them. So why are they testing them if they have pictures of them? And like 15, 20 minutes later, which I'm pretty sure he was Googling, he says, I have no idea. <laughs> you can said, hear him in his call just, just typing away. All you need to know about Blade Runner. But anyway, folks... <laughs> Thanks for listening. God bless you, Peter. And remember, the family that watches horror together slays together. See you next time. Once again, I want to give a big thank you and shout out to our Patreon supporters. Trey Whetstone, who is on this episode, host of Screaming Through the Ages, an absolutely fantastic guy. Stefan Sitter, Ryan Bratton, Pearl and Greg Morgan from Land of the Creeps, Nick Stumpf, Kevin Corby, Joel Robertson from Retro Movie Geek. Ian West, Ian Urza, Greg Russell, Greg Bench, hey Greg, Dave Becker, Dave Dr. Shock Becker, uh, although I might have dead named him there, I don't know, I don't know if he likes to be called Dr. Shock in person, uh, Dan George, Chad Stice, Carl Davis, Brian Scott, hey Brian, Billy D, Ashley Pinker, Barely Ashley, what's up, Andred, and Amy Swan, of course, Amy Swan, our biggest fan, uh, Thank you guys so much for your support. I appreciate it. It means the world to me. Uh, and you make this podcast possible. From Columbia Pictures. Did you ever hear this guy they call the date doctor? Urban myth. Really? Absolutely. I was told you were the guy that helps guys like me. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> That's pathetic. Pathetic. But one man. My name is Alex Hitchens. Call me Hitch. Can help you come close. Let me give you my number. Do you have a pen? Oh! Hitch, the cure for the common man.